Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the Word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. So, how many of you, and I think this is something that will resonate with everybody in the room, how many of you have ever felt restless, or maybe felt like you're just, you can't, like you're just not resting. Maybe you're sleeping, but you're not resting. There's no, like there's no inner peace. There's no, like you don't feel like you're catching any kind of break. Is anybody with me on that? Has that ever happened? And so I think, you know, in today's world, like I think, you know, and we've been talking about uh, in 1 Corinthians, you know, the Las Vegas, the Las Vegas, <laughs> Las Vegas uh, the Las Vegas of the ancient world, you know, a city that was that was going 24-7, a city that had a nightlife, right? And, you know, we think about New York City, the city that never, what? Sleeps. Sleeps. And so, in, in the day and age in which we live, you know, we have so much at our fingertips, but yet we have no rest. We have all of this technology that can, you know, do, do everything that we could possibly want, but we, we just don't rest. And our cure for it might be coffee, that's mine, uh, energy drinks, medication, Netflix binging, and these things may help you be energized from a lack of rest, or they may help you go to sleep, whatever your, your situation is. But I think what we'll find and what I want to present uh, this morning is that Scripture presents a very different idea of what rest is and how, and how the believer has access to that. Um, so my goal this morning is I really, you know, just pray in your heart, I really want everybody to kind of get get a good idea of, uh, of what Scripture has to say about this topic. And so we'll jump in here, uh, Hebrews chapter 1, or I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, the Bible says, Therefore, let us fear if, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have, uh, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word that they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have, been, who have believed enter that rest, just as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. He again fixes a certain day today, saying, through David, after so long a time, as has been said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest. That's going to be a, a key word here throughout the message or a theme uh, for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. So we see right, right off the bat, right, these verses that we just read. Uh, one of the main words that he keeps going to over and over and over again is rest, right? And the word that he uses at the end is, you know, he says Sabbath rest. And in Greek it's sabbatismas, which simply means Sabbath rest, right? But it's a, you know, he's drawing on an Old Testament theme here. And so, as we understand it, you know, the Sabbath in Jewish tradition was something that happened once a week, right? And in the New Testament church, a lot of people, 
you know, and maybe you think this today, and if you do, that's okay, but a lot of people think today that, you know, we come to church on Sunday because it's what? The Sabbath. That's, you know, that's, some, that's an opinion that a lot of people hold. And so what we'll find as we look into this is, is the Sabbath was not so much a day, but a mentality. But, um, but in the Hebrew calendar, the Sabbath was on a Saturday, right? Christians meet on Sunday because that's the day that Jesus rose again from the dead. Uh, that's a day that he claimed, and therefore uh, we worship on it uh, every week. So that's simply not the case. So I have a text here, and if you look in the program, you can see it, but it's uh, Exodus 31, uh, verse 12 through 16. And this is... Uh, there's two Sabbaths that I want to look at that the Jewish people adhered to. Um, this one is uh, the weekly Sabbath. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, but as for you, speak to the sons of Israel saying, you shall surely observe my Sabbaths for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Therefore you are to observe the Sabbath for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. Holy smokes. That escalated quickly. Let's read further. <laughs> for whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest. Holy to the Lord, whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall surely be put to death. So the sons of Israel shall observe the Sabbath to celebrate the Sabbath through their, throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. So we have here, so this is a, a command that's given to the Israelites. Now today, we're, we're not, you know, we're not under bondage to the law, right? Nobody's going to be put to death for not resting once a week, okay? As much as I would like, you know, oh, don't threaten me with a good time. I'll rest once a week, you know. As long as, you know, as, 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 as different as that may seem, uh, this was a sign to the Israelites. This was something that mattered. And what we'll see as we go forward is the Sabbath wasn't just a day, Right? The Sabbath was not something that God looked down and said, you know what, they could use a break once a week. Yeah, and, that, and I think that's part of it. Like, it's good for us to rest and, 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 uh, and hang out with our families and, and just to disconnect from work life. Um, but that's, we'll find that that's just not what God had in mind when he was instituting the Sabbath. And so the verbiage used in Exodus there, the author says that it's a sign. And so if we're thinking that it's a sign, if we're thinking that this points to something, like what exactly... What exactly is that pointing to? What, what could be more complicated about a day of rest, right? Like, you know, to us it's simple. Like, oh yeah, we have, you know, in America we have two days of rest. We have Saturday and Sunday, officially. I, I get that a lot of us work, you know, six, seven days a week, but that's the, the official weekend as you would have it uh, in our culture. So the Sabbath was instituted to be a reminder or a sign. So what, what was this a sign or a reminder of? And so I have here in my notes, uh, if you're looking at them, uh, this, is a, this is a reminder of God's act of rest. And so if you've ever read Genesis chapter 1, you'll know that God completes his creative work, and on the seventh day, he does what? He rests, yes. So this is um, the first two verses of Genesis chapter 2 that I have here. Uh, Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts... And by the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, or set it apart. Because in it, he rested from all his works, which God had created and made. So here's, here's what's, and I've, and I've always asked myself this question. And maybe, maybe you're in the same boat that I've been in, but we're like, you know, 
We serve an all-powerful God, and, and that's what the Bible says. And the Bible says that the God of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. And we read this, and we're like, so why? Why, why is God resting? Like, it's, as a reader, you read that, and you're like, why does the infinite, you know, unimaginable God of the universe have to take a rest after working for six days? I mean, I get that creating the universe, you know, or, or, or um, the world, however you want to look at that, I get that that could be exhausting, but why would he have to rest? And so as I ask myself this question, we dig a little bit deeper, and then there's some things that pop out in the narrative here. So if you look in Genesis 1, towards the end, so after every verse, or every verse that, that describes God's creative act, and the end of it, it was, there was morning and there was, or there was evening and there was morning the fifth day or the sixth day. This, this happens for every single day in which God creates, right? But on the seventh day, there isn't that. On the seventh day, when God chooses to rest from his creation, there is no mark of beginning or end of time. And so, once again, these, these two little nuggets here, as a reader, you're like, if you pick up on it, you're like, huh, what's, what's going on there? What's going on with this, you know, this thing happening? So, day seven is not the same, does not have the same capstone, which implies this, that the Sabbath rest, this Sabbath day rest is supposed to be perpetual, it's supposed to be never-ending. God ceases from his work, and on the seventh day, what happens on that seventh day is just supposed to keep going, right? That's the, that's the idea that is presented. And so if you look here, the phrase used in this passage in the Hebrew text is Shabbat, which is a Hebrew term. Um, it has a pretty slim range of meaning, but this is where we get the term Sabbath from. Everywhere in the Old Testament, you see the term Sabbath is this Hebrew term uh, Shabbat, and it simply means this. It means to cease or stop, right? Like that's, that's the, the, the entire scope of its meaning, basically, is that. And so if you're a Hebrew reader, you're like, God does all this, and then he just stops. And so now we hit another roadblock. We're like, wait a minute. I, th I thought God was always moving. He's always working. Why is he stopping, right? These are things that, these are questions that we ask. And so it's also on that, it's noteworthy that hundreds of thousands of times, this word is literally, this word is used in the Hebrew Bible. Genesis 2 is the only place where God is recorded to Shabbat, to rest or to cease. And so, and there, there's one other occurrence in Exodus uh, 30, I think, but Moses is recalling God's resting in Genesis 2. So there's, there's just this one time that God ever rests in the Hebrew Bible. And so let's dig into why that is. So humanity was supposed to abide in God's rest perpetually with no end. And so why, so as we look at this, we're like, if rest is perpetual, if, if this Sabbath day rest that the writer of Hebrews is talking about is supposed to be ongoing, then, then why, why isn't it that way? <laughs> if we look at the world around us, like it's very clear, we, we, all have, we all have similar experiences that we've been in or that we are in currently where we feel, what, restless. And so, if it was supposed to be that way, why is it not? And the writer of Hebrews has this to say in, for, in verse four or three, ver, uh, chapter three, verse nineteen. So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Hebrews is clear that the entryway into this perpetual rest is is faith. Faith is the key that unlocks this Sabbath day rest thing for the believer. And this will make more sense as we move forward. And listen. To the writer of Hebrews, faith is not, and what he's talking about in his writings is he's talking about 
you know, the Israelites come out of Egypt and they're going through the desert and they're grumbling and they're whining and God keeps providing for them along the way. And it gets to a certain point where it says, I've had enough. God says, you're not, your whole generation is not entering into my rest. They're just not. And what he was talking about was the land. He was talking about the promised land, like you will not enter. And so for 40 years, the Israelites wandered in a desert. They wandered around until this generation, you know, was wiped out, you know, by, by natural causes. And so they, they were not able to enter because of their disobedience, because they didn't believe God's promises, right? Like they were, they were the ones that had, had manna and quail falling from heaven every day of the week, except for the Sabbath. They were the ones that their clothes and shoes grew with them in their travels. They were the ones that, that saw Moses strike the rock and water come out of it, but yet they didn't believe and therefore they were disobedient, right? That's the, that's the picture. And the picture of faith that we get in the, in the New Testament, it's, and Pastor Matt said this a couple times, but it's believing loyalty. It's faith that brings us to an action. It's faith that makes us obedient. And so what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that, listen, this thing of rest, like the, he's like, just talk to the, the generation of Israelites a couple, you know, a couple hundred years ago. They couldn't enter. Why? Because, because of their unbelief. And so, so God rests one time ever. So what does this actually mean? Is he tired? Is he setting a pattern? I've heard both of these, that he's setting a pattern or there's something else going on here. And so here's what's noteworthy, right? If you look in your notes here, there is two kinds of rest that we see in Scripture, at least, I, w- I would say two, and then you could maybe break off the second one into two categories. But for our purposes here today, there's two. So this is an excerpt from a book that I love. It's called uh, The Lost World of Genesis 1 by a guy named John Walton. If you like to read, it's a good read. Um, but he says this, God's ceasing his Shabbat on the seventh day in Genesis 2-2 leads to his rest, his nuach in Hebrew. Associated with the seventh day in Exodus 20 verse 11, his rest is located in his resting place, his menucha. In, in Psalm 132, which also identifies it as a temple from which he rules. After creation, God takes up his rest and rules from his residence. This is not new theology in the ancient world. It is what all people understood about their gods and their temples. And if you go back and listen, it's on our YouTube channel, I think, but a couple, it's probably two months ago, maybe, uh, I preached a message on uh, basically, Genesis 1 is God setting up a temple. That's, that's how it's presented. Uh, the creation story is presented as God bringing order and setting up his temple, which is creation. And so in Genesis 2, as we have God finishing up his work, and he's ceasing, right? There's, you know, you have him ceasing, which is Shabbat, an inactive rest, and then you have the other kind of rest, which is active. Psalm 132 says this. It's uh, verse 8. Arise, O Lord, to your resting place. Same word. You and the ark of your strength. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness. And so what the psalmist is saying is that, you know, he's referencing the temple as God's resting place, where he, where he takes up rest. And as we're getting a full picture here, like there's, you know, there's, there's, more, there's more going on here than we may think. And so here we have in Genesis 2 God resting, Right? You have the work of creation. You have all of this setup work. And I think about it this way. We just got a new computer in the back a couple weeks ago. There is, there is setup work with that computer, uh, sometimes more than I would like to have on them, but, you know, it is what it is. 
Um, but there is the work of setting up the computer. There is the, the work of, of setting it up so it is in working order. And then there is the work that you do on the computer that it was made to do. Does that make sense? And so in Genesis 2, we have God ceasing from a setup work, and he's transitioning into an active work of running the world that he's created. We're getting a full picture here. We're getting a, you know, this is, this is less of God resting and more of him transitioning, right? Like he is ceasing from the setup work, and he is beginning the controlling work. He is sitting down at his desk, and he is going to work. That's what's happening here. Another excerpt from this book, uh, it says, what does divine rest entail? Most of us think of rest as disengagement from the cares, worries, and tasks of life. Yes, we do. What comes to mind is sleeping in or taking an afternoon nap. But in the ancient world, rest is what results when a crisis has been resolved or when stability has been achieved, when things have settled down. Consequently, normal routines can be established and enjoyed. For deity, this means that the normal operations of the cosmos can be undertaken. This is more a matter of engagement without obstacles rather than disengagement without responsibilities. So the Sabbath is a reminder, now that we kind of have this, this picture built, the Sabbath to us, this idea of divine rest, serves as a reminder that God is ultimately at the controls and we are not. And as, as this whole thing comes together, I came upon this and I was like, oh my goodness, that makes so much sense. That makes so much sense. Like God is not resting because he's tired. God is not resting because he needs a break. He's stopping so he can begin something else, right? And so to simply stop working in the ancient world for a whole day, I mean, we're, we're very blessed where we are. Most of us have, if we don't have whole days off every week, we get a day off here and there, or we have times and spans during the day where we do, where we have some time for ourselves to disconnect or at night. But in the ancient world, like, you worked seven days a week, and that was it. Like, to do, to do anything otherwise than that was to, you know, was completely insane. And you're talking about farmers. You're talking about people who, who grew their food and tended their animals. There, there are no days off. There are none. Alex and Jenny, you know what I'm talking about. Them chickens don't, they don't stop. You can't take a day off from the chickens, right? And so you have, you have this, this, this life that is going on, this life that, that by all measurable standards is not the easiest life or line of work to take a break in. Like Israelites were, that was their livelihood, especially at the time when, when we think Genesis was written. And what's also interesting is if, is if you look, if you look at Genesis 1, the creation narrative, um, there's a literary term called chiasm. So Genesis 1, if you fold it in on itself, if you take it, the word right in the middle of all of that is the Hebrew word moad, which is one of the words that is used for Sabbath in the Old Testament. And so at the center of this piece, and this is a, you can look this up if you want, there's a couple articles on it online, but even with Exodus, like if you fold it in half, the middle is the, the middle is Mount Sinai, like that's what you get, it's pretty cool. Um, but in the, in, the, in the middle of this creation narrative, the little gem that the reader is supposed to see is at the center of all of this is rest. Because that's the, that's the moad, that's the, that's the festival or the tradition that, that Genesis 1 is, is ultimately pointing to at the end, is God's rest, him resting in his temple. And so you look at this and, and, and imagine, right, um, most, of us, most of us are of the opinion that Moses you know, wrote most of, if not all of, Genesis. But um, imagine being a slave people coming out of Egypt coming out of living in bondage for, for hundreds of years, and you're, you know, you start to, 
you start to hear teachings and you start to hear things and then, you know, at the center of Genesis 1, at the center of what God is doing when he sets up the world that we know, at the center of it is rest. Imagine how impactful that is for a slave people, is that the major theme of the first chapter of the Bible is God saying, hey, guess what, you get to rest now. Guess what, you were in bondage, but you don't have to, we're, you're not a slave anymore, right? And that, and that should resonate with us as Christians. We were, we were once slaves to our sin, but God has given us rest. And so as we look, as we look forward here, by, um, <clears throat> sorry, let me take a, a water break here. So by choosing to Sabbath or by choosing to rest or cease, that is to say, I'm not going to worry about it because he is in control and I am not. And I think for a lot of us, we would experience the rest that God has for us if we were of that mentality. Like, you know what? I can work, 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 work all I want, but at the end of the day, he's in control and I'm not, right? Like, that's, that's the point. To, that's, that's, what to, that's what it means to Sabbath. That's what it means to, to have rest is to say that he is in control and I am not. And so as we look at, and then there's another Sabbath that I didn't mention, it's in the notes there, but um, there's a Sabbath for the land that the Israelites were supposed to take up every seven years. Every, you, you, do, you work the land for six years, and on the seventh year, God said, don't touch it. God said, don't cultivate it. Don't, don't grow anything. Your society should live off of what the land just naturally produces without you touching it. And, you know, to not, I think, think about that, right? God is telling them, like, hey, listen, you know, don't, don't farm for a whole year. I know that's how you get your food, and if there's a drought or if something doesn't happen right, you'll starve, but God says, don't do it. Watch, watch me provide for you. Watch me exercise my provision over you and show you every seven years that, guess what? It's not about you. It's not about what you're doing. It's not about what you can produce. It's about the fact that I'm in control and I am in charge. That's what God is saying. And so my first point here, I have this written down. Uh, you can have control and you can have rest, but you cannot have both. You just can't. Why does rest escape us? Because we view it as something that we can pursue. When we think about rest, we view it as, I'm going to work hard all week long, and if I get all my stuff done, then I'm going to take a break for myself. If I, if I do this, if I, if I hustle and get this done, or if I work my tail off until I'm 40, I can retire, then I can rest. Right? Like, we view, the, the view that our culture has of rest is that it is something that we pursue, it is something that we're after, we're setting ourselves up so we can have it one day, but the fact of the matter is, is rest is something, it's, it's, it's actively letting go of control of your life. Rest is actively letting God be him and letting you be his creation. That's what rest is. Jesus said this, all things have been handed over to me by my father and no one knows the son except the father, nor does anyone know the father except the son and, to any, and anyone to whom the son wills to reveal him. And he says this, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will what? Give, give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, Jesus said it himself, I will give. I will give you rest. You cannot give rest to yourself. Our rest has nothing to do with what we can produce and everything to do with who he is. You understand? Like, like, he is the only one that is capable of giving rest. God said, I did it first. 
And I, like, that's, that's my thing. Like, I, you can have rest because I'm in charge, because I'm taking care of it. That is not, listen, rest is not something that anybody else can give you. Rest is not something that the right amount of self-help books can give you. Rest is not something that anybody can give you except for Jesus himself. My second point here is results are not your responsibility, but faithfulness is. Paul had this to say in 1 Corinthians. I think this was in the message a couple weeks ago because uh, we're in that series, but he says this. For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? And what then is Apollos, and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. And then he says this in verse six. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. And so then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the increase. Are we getting this picture? Are we understanding that this thing of rest is, like it is, it is all about recognizing who is actually in control? And for Paul, you had these people in, at Corinth that were saying like, oh, well, Paul's my favorite, you know, he's my favorite preacher. Or, well, I like Apollos better, or I like Kephas better, or, you know, whoever, right? Like you have all of this, this biting going on, and Paul's like, listen, like who... Whoever, and Paul goes on to say, like, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you, you know. But all of this, all of this inner fighting over, over who does what, and Paul says, listen, what matters isn't who does what, because ultimately we're all on the same playing field. And he goes on to, he goes on to say that, you know, every laborer will, will get his reward regardless of what they do. It doesn't matter what they're doing because it's God giving the increase. Apollo, Apollos can do something, Paul can do something else, but ultimately the growth with the people at the church of Corinth was not, it was not associated with who, with, with who they were listening to or who they were following. Paul says, follow Jesus. Why? Because he's the one that's actually giving the increase, right? And as we sit here, like, you know, we sit here as a church and, and as we're all, as we're all, I'm assuming we're all aspiring to grow in our faith. We're all aspiring to know God more. We're all aspiring to be better. And can I say that it is him who will give the increase. There isn't, there isn't a specific teacher. There isn't a specific pastor. There isn't a specific church that, that has the right secret, secret Big Mac sauce that will, allow, you know, that will allow you to grow more. Why? Because he, it's, it's, it's him. He is producing the increase. He is producing, and we are just, we're just along for the ride. And honestly, to me, that's a huge relief because sometimes, and if you're like me, you have mountains of work to do, and you're like, oh my goodness, how am I ever going to get this done? What's going to happen? And God says, listen, you, you be faithful, you do what you do, and I have the increase. I have the increase. And because of that, I am able to what? Rest. Because I trust that he is in charge of the increase and that he will do what he will do, then I can rest. The Bible says this, he who has begun a good work in you, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It's not about how many curse words you, don't, you do or don't say during the week. Like, that's not our barometer of how successful we are as Christians. You see what I'm saying? And, and listen, for everybody who ever comes to church ever, it's like, yeah, you know, trying to say less cuss words, you know, I can't do that no more. It's like, well, that's good, but like, th what, what really matters is are we growing in him? Is he giving, is he increasing us, right? Like, it's not about what we do. Christianity is not about what we do at all. It's all about 
what he has already done and continues to do in his church. That's it. And it's hard for us to let go of that. It's hard for us to say that we're not in charge of the results, especially in, in, um, especially in our culture today. So results aren't your responsibility, faithfulness is. And finally, and this is probably my favorite point, and, you know, that's just me, but um, finally, uh, my third point here, you can rest in him because he rests on us. Yes. And so we think about that song, right, that they sung, and I had them sing it. I'll confess, I was like, that song would do great with what I'm talking about. But we, you know, we think about this idea of, of rest and, and the spirit resting. Listen, in the Old Testament, like, th- this idea of divine rest, of God's resting, like, the temple was his resting place. That is where, that is where he set up shop. That is where he, he, where, where, he, where he is effectively running the cosmos, is from, from his resting place, where he is. And that was a, and in the earthly tabernacle, the earthly temple, that tent was a reflection, the Bible says, of what, of a greater transcendent reality. It was a mirror of the temple that is not seen. It was a mirror of God's resting place that we cannot see with our own eyes, right? And so we can take peace in this this morning that we can rest in him because he rests on us. There's a scripture here uh, from uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. And he says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing. As though some strange thing were happening to you, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exultation. If you were reviled for the name of Christ, you'd be blessed. You are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. That's what Peter's saying. And listen, this is temple language. In the Old Testament, the glory, God's kavod, was, was something that only dwelled on his resting place. That's it, right? And, in the, you know, and then when the Israelites were exiled, when he, when he had had enough, when they polluted the land, it left. God said, I'm rolling out. I'm, you know, if you want to read about that, I think it's Ezekiel 17 or 18. Or no, maybe it's 13. It's somewhere in the middle there, between 10 and 20 in Ezekiel. Um, but, you know, he has this vision, and, and God says, like, you, you've profaned my, my land, and I'm leaving. And here's the kicker, though. If you go to Ezekiel 23, something that pops up over and over and over and over again, the prophet says this, you profane my Sabbaths, right? One of the, one of the reasons that the Israelites were exiled was because they weren't, they weren't resting in who God is. They were disobedient, yes, but they were also disobedient in the sense that they thought they had it all in their own control. They thought that everything that was happening for them, you know, the, the, the protection that they had from their enemies, they were like, it's because it's of us. That's, that's where they were, and there's a lot more to that picture, but they were exiled for 70 years because God said, guess what? Here are the, here are the, the land Sabbaths that you missed. Every seven years, you were supposed to, you were supposed to let the land rest, and you didn't. We have no record in scripture of the Israelites ever doing this. And I think that's intentional. Because they were, you know, God said, you're going you're gonna to make up an exile for every land Sabbath that you missed. You will be pushed from your land because you refused to trust in my provision. And this should give us, this should, this should give us some gravity to how important rest is. Uh, there was a, an older gentleman this past week that I was, I was meeting with from the, uh, one of the conventions that we're a part of. And he said this, he said, you know, I was talking to a, uh, 
you know, a professor on the Old Testament, and he was saying that, you know, out of the Ten Commandments, he's like, all of them will either get you killed, get you fired, or ruin your life in some way, shape, or form because of the, the consequences of doing things like that. He's like, but, you know, but if we don't Sabbath, if we don't rest, you get a pat on the back. You know, if we choose not to rest, if we choose to push forward, and, and we choose to not cease, you know, that's looked upon as most as, as good. Oh, he's working hard. Oh, he's getting it done. You know, that's, that's one, of the, one of the death penalty laws of the Old Testament that we now see as like, oh, he doesn't, you know, I sleep, I sleep four hours a night, work seven days a week, and we're like, you go, dude. Like, get you some. Make you some money. You know, that, that's how we look at it. But God says, no, that's bad. Not only is it bad, but guess what? It robs you of getting what you could be getting. Because God said, I'm responsible for the increase. And here's the thing. And this is like, this is the key to the whole thing. Like, if we don't make space, if we don't rest, if we don't step back and give him space to work, he's not going to. That doesn't mean that he can't, but he says, listen, take a day. That, that was the Old Testament law. Take a day, cease from your work, and I'll provide for you. That was the, that was the thing. Don't plow your land. Don't, don't, you know, don't do any kind of work whatsoever. And then we have an exodus when they, you know, they gathered enough food on, on the sixth day of the week so they could have extra for the seventh day. God provides provision. But if we do not, like if we don't lean into that, if we choose to just continue to work ourselves to the bone because we think that's the right thing to do, or if we just can't, you know, we just can't stop, right? Like that's just who we are. You're missing a chance to see God work. You're, if you choose to, to, to take everything in your own hands and, and take control of everything that you have your hands in, you're going to miss it. You're not going to see him work. Why? Because he said, just give me space. Give me space and I'll do it. Give me space and I'll produce. But we're not letting him do that. We're just not. And, that, and what I'm not saying is that you need to take, you know, you need to take a Sabbath from sundown on Friday to sunup on Saturday every week. You could do that, but that's not, that's not what I'm telling you to do. I'm telling you that one of the plagues of the New Testament church, because we don't feel like the Old Testament matters, we take this principle of rest and we just throw it out. We take this principle of God saying, like, the Sabbath resting is a reminder of the fact that I'm in control, and if you step back and actively disengage yourself and trust me for your provision, you'll see me do great things. That's, that's the story of scripture with rest, is that rest is not only an opportunity for us to rest our minds and our bodies, but we can see him actively work in our lives. And if we're not resting, if we're not taking a step back and saying, you know what, I'm just gonna give God that situation. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it and I'm just gonna mentally set it apart and just say, God, that one's for you. Like, whatever you want to do with it, have at it, because I'm done. I'm resting from that. I'm choosing to disengage, right? And listen, I'm not talking to a room full of people who have had lives that are, you know, full of roses, right? You all know what hardship looks like. You all know what heartbreak looks like, and you know how hard it is to let things go. You do. But I'm telling you from the perspective of Scripture, give those things to the Lord. Just give them over, just say, God, you can have this. God, you can have this because why? You're responsible for the increase and I am not. I'm gonna be faithful and I'm gonna be where I'm supposed to be and I'm gonna be growing as a Christian, but I know ultimately that I'm not responsible for the outcome. I know that ultimately you will do it and the way that you will do it 
is better than the way that I will do it. And that's the thing. We can work, 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 and we can get, we get the house, we get the car, we get the whatever, and the, but the end result is not, the end result isn't fulfilling. The end result isn't what God had wanted, and if we would have just made space for him to do his thing, man, how different would our lives look? How different would our perspectives look if we gave him space to be who he is? I got another scripture here, and this is uh, Hebrews 4.11. He says this, let us, therefore let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same examples of disobedience, the children of Israel. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. The writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, on the tail end of that, don't, don't be like the disobedient Israelites. Look at that as an example of what it looks like to not enter into God's rest. Look at lack of faith and, 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 a, and a, a whole measure of disobedience as a way to not rest. And I think this translates to, like, you know, when we, when we are actively engaging in a life of sin, when we are actively, knowingly partaking of something that we should not be, we're being disobedient and we are robbing ourselves of rest. And we all know, we, we all know when we do things we shouldn't do, right? It's, it's there, we're like, mm, shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have spoke that way to so-and-so. And these things, they get in our mind, and because we're believers, we're, we're, we're constantly thinking like, gosh, I just, you know, this is gonna catch up to me at some point. You know, we're always looking over our shoulder, like, man, are they gonna say, are they gonna say something to Pastor Matt? I shouldn't have flew off the handle like that. And that's, that's one of many ways to not have rest, because you're always thinking about what exactly it is that you have to cover up, because you're actively engaging in something that you shouldn't. And so, as, as, as we kind of come to a close, or as the writer comes to a close on this chapter, you know, he has this to say, for the word of God is living and active, right? If you lack rest, <laughs> if you lack anything, the word of God has the answer. You see what I'm saying? And that's, you know, the, he comes full circle to, oops, sorry, to, uh, to verse uh, 12 in this chapter, and he's like, listen, it's, the word of God pierces everything. If you have a wall of just restlessness and nonsense built up in your life that you feel like, I just, can't, I just can't escape this. I'm just stuck here. This is just where I live. And, you know, I've got whatever that I think will help me kind of maintain where I'm at here, but this is as good as it gets, right in here inside this box. And he says, no, take out your sword and cut it down. Take out your sword and escape from the prison that you have locked yourself in. And as we talk about and as we close on this idea of rest, the most, you know, his presence should be all-encompassing. We are his temple. The church collectively and the, 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 the believer individually are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he should be filling and exploding out of us. And if we're, watch this, if we're giving him space to do it, he will do it. And so as we kind of come to a close here, I don't even know what, I'm doing pretty good on time this morning. That's great. It's kind of rare for, for everybody who ever preaches up here. Um, you know, but as we come to a close, like this idea of rest, this idea of, of you, know, you know, giving space to the Lord, like it's really difficult. It's really hard to step back and say, 
I'm just going to, you know, my life is crazy and I've got all these different situations right now. And for me right now, I'm moving and the housing market is like really weird. And so I'm just on a day-to-day basis, I'm like this, you know, I've got money going six ways to Sunday. I've got, you know, this happening over here, this happening over here. And then my daughter's screaming and I'm like, okay, (laughs) you know what? I just need to rest. I just need to trust that whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And that's a you know, buying a house is what it is. I'm not saying that's the worst situation ever, but I'm, you know, but this is a principle that I'm actively trying to apply in my own life, (laughs) to rest, to let God rest on me because he's in control. And if I'm letting him rest on me, if I'm giving him space, this is his control center. The believer, where you are in your seat right now, that is where he sets up shop and that is where he chooses to impact the world. It's no longer a building, it's you. You are the temple, You are little temples of the Holy Spirit. And so, and this is a quote that I love, and I'll close with this, is, our rest is in Christ, he is our Sabbath rest. That's it, right? We've got all these different details, we've got, you know, a couple different kinds of rest, we have these different Sabbath laws, but at the end of the day, the Bible comes full circle to the New Testament, and and, you know, here we are with, with Jesus, who was the, the image of God, who now lives within us. He is our Sabbath rest, and that's, that's it. That's all that matters. He is our rest. And if we choose to rest in him, then we'll be okay. We can actually have rest if we let him do his thing. And so, Scripture is so clear. True rest is a gift, and it can only be achieved through faith that Jesus will fill in the gaps that we choose to leave empty. That's it. If there's, if there's not a gap to fill, he's not going to fill it. Not because he can't, but because he knows that you're not ready for it yet. And if we leave, if we're intentional about leaving space for him to work, he'll do it. And so my challenge to everybody today is whatever is draining you, whatever is causing you to not be able to rest, and maybe not, like I said, it's not necess- sleep and rest are not the same thing, um, but just let it go. And as the music starts to play, I want, you, I want us all to just kind of sit in this moment, and I want you to think about something that you just, you just can't let go. I want you to think about it because we've all got something like that. We all have something in our life that we're, we're holding on to that is just draining us. Maybe it's something with one of your children. Maybe it's something with your spouse. Maybe it's something that, you know, that happened a long time ago that still haunts you today. Maybe it's your family. Sometimes family can be draining. No, just mine? Okay. They're not here. Don't tell them. Um, but just, just let it go. Give it to him this morning. And so rest is a result of intentionally leaving space. And just to, just to um, usher everything again, listen, you can have control and you can have rest, but you can't have both. Results aren't your responsibility. Faithfulness is. And then finally, you can rest in him because he rests on us. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week and God bless.